turning and turning in the widening gyre. The falcon cannot hear the falconer. Things fall apart. The centre cannot hold. Mere anarchy is loosed upon the world. The blood-dimmed tide is loosed, and everywhere the ceremony of innocence is drowned. The best lack all conviction, while the worst are full of passionate intensity. Surely some revelation is at hand. Surely the second coming is at hand. The second coming. Hardly are those words out when a vast image out of the spiritus mundi troubles my sight. Somewhere in sands of the desert, a shape with lion body and the head of a man, a gaze blank and pitiless as the sun, is moving its slow thighs while all about it real shadows of the indignant desert birds. The darkness drops again, but now I know that twenty centuries of stony sleep were vexed into nightmare by a rocking cradle. And what rough beast, its hour come around at last, slouches towards Bethlehem to be born. of Studios in Dublin, welcome to Mother Folklore, a podcast about words, Irish, Irish words, and words from Ireland. I'm Dara Cochet. And I'm Ola Majekodui. Falcher Rashwell. Ola. It's great to be back. I haven't done an episode with you for ages. It has. We haven't had you in, se- in season two yet, and we're delighted to finally hear yeah. and mm-hmm. delighted to prey upon your expertise, because uh, today we're going to talk about something that is a, a book that's been published in Irish recently, uh, but is a translation of the proper, what arguably the great Nigerian novel. Yeah, Things Fall Apart by Shinua Shebe. Shinua Shebe. I think I've been pronouncing that wrong all my life. Yeah, yeah, some <laughs> people have difficulty pronouncing it. Yeah, Shinua uh, Shebe. Yeah. Yeah, that actually almost sounds a little bit Irish. Shinua. Shinua. <laughs> Shinua. Everything <That's>, sounds Irish. <laughs> it does. So, Things Fall Apart by Shinua Shebe has been translated to Irish as Titan Ruddy Asakela. And the translator is Irene Duffy Lynch. Yeah, yeah. I met Irene Duffy Lynch at the launch for this book, uh, Titan Ruddy Asakela. I was invited by the Nigerian Embassy to Ireland. And I had the honour of speaking at the event as well, which was really cool. Yeah, I just spoke about how the book kind of made me think of my myself, my own heritage. Mm -hmm. I like, you know, being of Nigerian heritage and growing up in Ireland and then, you know, seeing a Nigerian novel being translated into Irish. It's like, wow, to see that. Mm. Like, it's amazing. It really is. And the fact that it, it kind of dovetails nicely back to the fact that the title, obviously, um, Shino Ajebe took this title from an Irish poem. Yeah, William Butler Yeats, um, from his poem Second Coming, he took the first line, uh, things fall apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you can see the link there between Ireland and Nigeria. And historically, there has been a link between the two countries, especially with Ajebe being an Igbo man. There's link in terms of historically well, you know, Irish peace went to Nigeria during the Biafran War and helped mm-hmm. the Igbo people, uh, the Catholic priests, yeah. Excellent. So tell us more, just you mentioned, you mentioned Igbo there and obviously the, the, the main characters in this book are from the from the Igbo community. Um, yeah, they're all from the Igbo tribe and it's, yeah, it's very much about the Igbo life um, pre-colonisation. Mm-hmm. You know, there was no Nigeria before mm-hmm. colonisation. So this is this book very much is about the Igbo people and their life and their traditions. And it's great to see, especially me being a Yoruba person, it's cool to see, 
learning about another tribe in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. And Okonkwo is the main character in the book. Uh, the novel, you know, centers around Okonkwo and he's a leader and a former wrestling hero who returns to his village. Mm-hmm. After seven years in exile, the village is called um- Umofoya. And he'd, Okonkwo was sent away after his role in an accidental death. Mm-hmm. And the book kind of centers around like the changes that Christian uh, missionaries and other white men had brought to the village when they came. Because yeah, when he sent, when he comes back, it's almost like Rip Van Winkle waking up that the the yeah, village he has got exactly. He's come it's from. like everything's changed. Like people from the outside are bringing in their traditions and imposing it on other people. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's very interesting to kind of see how things played. You know, when colonization mm. started happening in mm. the new Nigeria. <laughs> Just maybe for some of our listeners, might be. Um, even though we have a very large Nigerian community in Ireland, a lot of people don't actually in Ireland don't know that much about Nigeria. So, the, you mentioned there Igbo and Yoruba, and Yoruba is your own kind of a, is would be the own, own community. What what other broadly how, how many languages in Nigeria? You mentioned there was oh, a, there's a lot any? of languages. There's about like four hundred languages, but mm. the three main indigenous languages are Yoruba, Igbo, and Hausa, and mm. English is the official language. And writing this book, well, and Achebe is writing before 1960, which is when the, the state of Nigeria yeah. was founded. But he chose to actually write in English. Yeah, he did, which I found very interesting. I think he, to me, it was kind of shown in a way that, you know, he is an African man and he's trying to prove, you know, we, we can just do it just as good. Mm-hmm. You know, African literature can be just as good as Western literature because... Before Shinoe Shebe wrote Things Fall Apart, and that was in 1958, people never even thought that, you know, African people could write mm-hmm. the way, like, good literature. You know, they were looked down upon. Africa had been a setting for lots of some of those popular books. Yeah, like Joseph Conrad's Heart of Darkness. You know, it was always looked at as this dark continent that needed to be changed, that needed the light. Yes, yeah, so there was it was full so, of adventure and the, the, and King Solomon's mines and the idea of discovery that yeah. you know there's some that people people maybe who matter hadn't been here before and that this is full of things that were worth yeah, taking and exactly. that's yeah. I mean European people who felt they're high minded and honourable thought still thought that maybe there was a, a colonial duty to um, go over and change people for their own good even yeah. without asking. Yeah, the missionaries going over and changing mm. things and I have a quote here actually that. Mm. Shinoe Shebe had said before, he said, the white man is very clever. He came quietly and peacefully with his religion. We were amused at the foolishness and allowed him to stay. He has put a knife on the things that held us together and we have fallen apart. I just love that line with he has put a knife on things that held together. And that Mm -hmm. really relates back to the title of the novel, Things Fall Apart. And even though Shinoe Shebe got, you know, positive inspiration from Irish literature, you know, mm. WB Yeats, he also got a negative influence as well, in a way. Yes. Because Joyce Carey had written a book about Africa and it was a very negative outlook on Africa as well. And I have a quote here about that. So this would be uh, uh, Joyce Carey's novel, Mr. Johnson. Mr. Johnson, yeah. And... Achebe was thinking about this during um, 1951 and 1952 and Carrie wrote 
of the African villages as creatures without ideas, without culture, even without history. He said, its people would not know the change if time jumped back 50,000 years. They live like mice or rats in a palace floor. All the magnificence and variety of the arts, the ideas, the learning of the battles of civilization go over their heads and they do not even imagine them. So mm. he had a very, very negative outlook on African people. And this gave Ashebe a reason to prove him wrong and mm-hmm. to show him that, you know, we can write just as good as you. Mm-hmm. And since then, after Ashebe is written, things fall apart. You can see people like Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie, Lola Shonyenye, taking mm-hmm. influence from Ashebe and writing amazing literature. That's right, and, and, and someone had to do it first and it's given such an amount of inspiration. One of the things that when you're talking there about the putting the knife and things and setting things apart and the mention of the religion coming first when Okonko does return to the village, one of the things I found very interesting was um, there were huge divisions in the community. There was lots of pain from people who felt that victims of injustice, maybe twins being killed and people mm-hmm. who have been... Um, forced to live on the outskirts because they were, had been banished in some reason and these were the first people accepted into the Christian church and they became big shots when the, I guess the equivalent of soup taking in Ireland almost, the mm-hmm. that they became the kind of big shots when the new, the new colonial order. Yeah, yeah, it really just rubbed people the wrong way and their culture was taken from them, their mm-hmm. traditions were taken from them and they were looked down upon, they were seen as inferior and as, as savages. Yes. So we can see the great effects that colonization has had on the African continent till this day. And, you know, mm-hmm. it, I think it's very much about decolonizing the mind, like Ngugu Atiango, the mm-hmm. Kenyan writer, his book, uh, well, his essay was based on that, decolonizing the mind and kind of, you know, clearing your mind from, you know, colonial ideas and hmm. seeing yourself as somewhat in a more positive light really yeah no, for sure because it's i think that's the bob, no, bob marley line isn't it Emanci- emancipate yourself from mental slavery mm, exactly yeah mm. when i was having a look through here and i mean we i suppose talk a little bit about the this two noteworthy points i suppose about the actual tra- text of the translation itself in that uh um Ashebe has a very kind of undressed kind of a uh, very um his writing styles, it's its not especially flashy. He kind of, he keeps, it's very matter of fact. It's, there are yeah. no spare words. But what he does have, he has a certain amount of Igbo loan words. And in the translation into Irish, Irene Duffy Lynch has kept those loan words in. So when you're reading kind of a sentence, then you might say that, Daint na ferna tugu agadi noaye no shanvan maranam erma mikhaina. So the idea is that you'd be reading it in Irish and then the actual um, Igbo long words are in there, but they actually do fit. That's great, yeah. They fit in quite nice, like say... Um, kind of a nice way to learn a bit of Igbo as well. <laughs> so yeah, so if, um, hang on. if you want to say, maybe read that, read that here. Ermajin, vi fihe an varga plodha. Kahi garao timpul dat mi la far aun, eid glare glaut os ishel, fi yera darig o bufi ezugo. Sus in a passive, in a mask, agus ver kera hora imofia quenu. Agus gok ein or hog she a eig ergro eigsil. Agus an koma er grau she bru an er lena ron dritta. Agus gok ein or dagger dat mi le far ya. 
an shin vi tos omlon an, but ora di kurtok e agbofi ezugo, agus toha igoni e igor okadi den saisho. Vogshe alav harachligen bon agus kunnel a aus a sog bon. An shin re tigshe of rot a hug fina askul yas agus a klangloch os kyun. Excellent. So you just you can read in there, and then you, you do find a couple of words like um, umfo kenu and yab coming through, and the way it just kind of flows it right right in there into the text, and you can see how the yeah. the names do fit in, and it's uh it is just something that I think it does capture kind of the, the way Shiva writes. Yeah, them. it's really nice to like have the two languages in one text. Mm. It's interesting, like nice dynamic. And there's one there's one part, I suppose, that one of the famous part passages in it is there's a bit when um when when two of the characters are exchanging a kind of a traditional like both fairy tale or parable about uh about greed. And it's it's often the piece about a tortoise. And even when it starts off for though for though, Hasakshi, uh Galare, spare. The birds are all have been invited to a uh, a feast in the sky. The Gardas Mor Orhu Augustus Thor and Olvu Fane Fui Kunaran Laymore. Dahador Corple, Nahima Jara Greltul, Agus Haring Shiad Patrunala Orhule Uli. Uli, of course, being palm wine, yes? Yeah. Hunnic tortoise and Olvu Concho Galera, the tail, the cunning old tortoise is always up to his old tricks. And the father Gayarnik Cheyamach carried every lesh. So the, um, all the birds go to this party and there's this some food laid out for all of them. And then when they're all, because it's a big party in the sky, they can pick a new name. But the tortoise goes on to pick the name, Gokhtin Agwiv. So that, so that when the food is for Gokhtin Agwiv, the tortoise says, well, that's all for me. <laughs> so it's like, a, it's like the old kind of a Jamaican riddle about everybody, somebody, nobody, and uh, anybody uh, having a job to do. Yeah. Yeah. And another saying went in like, Kind of in Nigerian culture, saying um, "Come join me when mm. there's food," you know, like everyone's invited. Like, come join me. <laughs> <laughs> but even just as was the classic starting with the fotofado, and it just again. So you've clutched in the hand, free bit, and knastery of avi isiku, grab more tashtal dainta like tortoise, and anoin a quid luchtena er veli ege ella agus olis ege er gnasta dina exula marshin glakter ulig am nua. So they're all picking the new name. That's that bit. Norvishan Dentaku Glock Tortishan the Faint. Like this is almost like a peg story. <laughs> I love it. And I just love how they, that, that has the been description captured. is so vivid as well. I love mm. it. Do you know Headstuff has another show called Pints of Malt, which is discussing Irish and things fall apart this week. So let's hear from them right now. For for me anyway, my experience like the reason and the reason one of the reasons why I liked Irish and I was able to do at high level was that when I was in primary school yeah. for fourth and fifth class, the teacher that I had spectacular. It's all about the, the teacher, and yeah. Like you know the way you, you, your day you'll have like five, you'll have to do maths, Irish, English, and then you do yeah. arts and crafts. And stuff, but she spent a good bit of time on Irish, mm. so she taught us all the past tense, all those tenses. Yeah. So it'll stand. Wasn't it's not stood, the one teacher that taught everything in primary school. Yeah, yeah. But she spent like three hours a day on oh, yeah. Irish like sometimes Jesus. like she so she loved the Irish right so it really helped you when you were going into went to when I was going into first year <laughs> stuff like that. that's why I was still able to do said by fire by phone <laughs> Honestly, so, but it's done to me and I, I enjoyed it and I was able to like 
so that's yeah. why like i was able to understand it i yeah. do like nigga understand yeah. it I more can't, than like i find that hard to push and dissolve. like i can't speak. when i like, hear see, people yeah. speak that i'm always like wow, wow. irish yeah do you know yeah. what it is yeah do you know what's yeah. mad i know like black kids i know black kids some of them are mature some of them are just, like, yeah they go to I, they go to like uh, uh irish schools mm. and they all uh, speak yeah, yeah. fluent yeah, irish no, no, and they just true, bust yeah. out a nice irish that blows my mind that was Pints of Malt from the Headstuff Podcast Network. Yeah, I studied Tins Fall Apart in fourth year in school and in my undergrad as well. So it was great to like be able to study a Nigerian book in college and school. Like, And I think, I don't know, but I just feel like it sort of changes people's views as well mm. of Africa as a continent that, you know, there's great art coming out of it the continent a great literature yeah and just showing that you know we are highly educated as well because you know there's a lot of stereotypes mm. when it comes to african people so i mean you find say in ireland people can be very sensitive about when we see this when in the discussions in the united kingdom at the moment when people in very educated people in, in britain don't know much about ireland mm. and they don't know which part is the north or the, 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 the republic which one is in is part of the uk and they uh and don't right beside them <laughs> and, and then but i suppose in terms of those kinds of misunderstandings i'm guessing that people from ireland's nigerian community must have moments where they think you know wouldn't it be cool if more Irish people knew this, like where the capital city of Nigeria was or what yeah. language, who speaks English and who doesn't? Yeah, that I meant. feel like a lot of Irish people know about Lagos and that would be kind of the more commercial capital of Nigeria, yeah. but the actual capital is Abuja. Mm-hmm. Lagos used to be the capital, but it changed. Yeah, <laughs> you imagine this, things like that. And then who's the patron saint of Nigeria? St. Patrick. There you have it. <laughs> So Shebe died in 82, back in 2013. Oh, the age of 82, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, in his book, like he examined the tribal society, you know, factoring under the abuses of colonialism, like I was saying earlier. And Dwight Garner from New York Times compared Things Fall Apart to Harper Lee's novel To Kill a Mockingbird of African Literature, which I mm-hmm. thought was very interesting because that book is very, obviously very powerful in terms of race in America. So. Mm-hmm thought that was a very interesting comparison. And Time magazine also placed the book on the list of 100 best English language novels from 1923 to 2005. So mm. Things Fall Apart was a very, very popular novel. And it was translated to over 50 languages as well. Mm. So, mm. Including so, Irish. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's amazing how successful mm. it got. What other, say, if, I mean... If if this if this translation is as successful as we hope it will be, what other um, African novels do you think should be next in line for a translation to Irish? I would love to see Americana by Chimamanda Ngozi translated to Irish. Mm. Yeah, they're doing a movie on it as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, I love that book. It's one of my favorites. That's uh, excellent. We'll have to that that be something worth looking out for. And it's just you were saying. Oh yeah, I have something about masculinity here. Oh, because this is the thing. Because one of the things is, Okonko and the the main character, Okonko, the main character, he struggles with um, having to appear kind of vulnerable at any times. Mm. And the big thing is, he he puts an enormous pressure on himself. And because he was so disappointed with his own father, who he felt was wimpy and soft, and he's he's very frustrated with his own son Nwaye, who um, he actually he feels more close to his um his adopted his temporarily adopted son or his mm. foster son who actually he ends up having to betray 
and yeah. yeah, I always found that very, very sad and novel. And novel. yeah, so he the weight of um, while well, he feels that like he, he needs to be this ma- hyper masculine to be able to protect the village, that actually he bears bears a terrible a terrible price for it. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing that Shaber really dealt a lot with the notions of traditional masculinity, and you know patriarchal structures as well, and you know kind of dealing. With you know nature, religion, myth, gender, and history as well, which I thought was very powerful because obviously mm. in the village you know Okonkwo is seen as you know the mighty big man and mm. everyone's kind of looking up to him and things as well. But I have to say another very powerful figure was the priestess, and she's yeah. a woman. So I thought that was mm. very interesting as well that he was able to. Yeah, the, the idea With that the she that that she has this kind of power, and it's 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 in a defined structure, and that the priestess has a has a particular role, and mm-hmm. is seen as that the the earth is seen as feminine, which is powerful and all nourishing, but also something that the earth is something that is colonially kind of controlled or managed in a in a positive way. So it's uh, it, it's funny how gender comes into all these things, and uh, those kind of gender roles do come in, and and there is a comparison there in between that and Irish literature. Yeah. Uh, between obviously the uh, terrible, terrible father-son relationships. Yeah. It's terrifying. Cullen actually is very similar to Okonkwo in a way. Yes. To say. They're both like seen as, you know, these mighty masculine figures. And and they both kill their sons. Uh, well, it's pretty bad. All right. But yeah, but the, the, the Okonkwo uh, parallels um, are, the Okonkwo Kukulun parallels are, are very strong actually. And, and it's particularly the, um, the fact that he's um then if, if Emer Duffy was here, she'd be talking about how he um that the him ignoring women's advice and the um and the implications that has for uh for a tragic hero. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it she's not like here. the recipes for <laughs> the tragic hero. It is, yeah. So I'll have to I'm I will not to uh, I won't attempt to imitate her Emer's voice, so I won't disrespect her like that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there's another quote from Shebe that I really love. He said, If you don't like my story, write your own. Mm. And one of the things that influenced him to write Things Fall Apart was that he did not see himself in, you know, the books that he was studying at school. You know, he was brought up with the British curriculum mm-hmm. at the time. And it still is like that today. Like my dad and mum would have been brought up with those uh, curriculums. And he did not see himself in those books that he was studying in school. So he had to, you know, write his own book and make it about his people. And this is a really relevant kind of thing now. When you think about kind of the, the kind of the culture wars in the world at the moment, the ideas of representation and inclusion and the idea of that say there's a lot of people who have taken inspiration from, I guess, literature like this saying, actually, yes, I w- we want to see more representations of certain communities. People are saying, actually, I never ever saw anyone like me in a television show when I was growing up. It's something I think about every day in that, say, my daughter does not see many characters with Down syndrome in television shows. I remember when, when one of the uh, actors in Glee was accused of some of sexual assault or something. Or was oh it? yeah, I remember that. And I was people saying, "Yeah, Glee's absolutely cancelled." And I was like, "Glee is one of the only TV shows with a character with Down syndrome in it." Mm. And you know, it's 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 harder for some people to cancel than for others. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, representation is so important, especially from a young age, because if you don't see yourself in the shows you're watching or the books you're reading, how are you supposed to 
have a clear image of yourself, you know, mm. and someone to look up to as well. Because I remember, mm. you know, growing up in Ireland and I think it was like Samantha Mumba was the only representation for me on TV. Because you would have been fairly young when Samantha Mumba was. Uh, Samantha, Samantha Mumba, I think, was roughly turn of the century, was it? 2001, 2000? Yeah, you know. early 2000s. And, and you would have been, yeah, like, yeah small. <laughs> but at the same time, I suppose it was uh, maybe um, there are some girls who are maybe five or ten years older than you who wouldn't have even had someone like that. Maybe uh, the, you go further back and it's more Paul McGrath fill in, I suppose. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And yeah. they were very hyper masculine in their own way, I suppose. But the um, but that would have, I suppose, counted for a lot because when you were growing up, you always felt that she was Irish and and those kinds of representation things do seem important even if something thinks well Samantha Mumbo is a kiddie pop star or maybe not a hugely significant artist but the fact that she was there and we saw yeah, her exactly and, in Irish music yeah mm-hmm. it's definitely very important yeah and a lot more now I suppose in TV I mean Some, it's, it's better than before but there needs to be more representations mm-hmm. not enough yeah yeah of all people yeah I all think minority groups yeah, because this is and particularly. I mean, there's um, like I suppose historically there has very been very little representation of the traveler community. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's true. But then you know when we had um, Love Hate and John Connors mm-hmm. was a, was a character on the show. You know, there's a bit more representation there of the traveling community, but still now I haven't seen enough. It's been. I think there's been a, a little bit more, but I think there was a huge pressure put on John Connors because yeah. I suppose. His character in Love Hate was so good. There's a huge pressure put on him to actually be a spokesperson for the entire community. And yeah, when and he... that's the thing. You can't just single one person out and say, you know, they're they're the spokesperson for the community or they're like the token, mm-hmm. you know, person from that community. You know, it has to be a lot more people. I because I remember thinking that you know he was a good actor, and but suddenly he's being asked his opinion on an awful lot of kind of social policy positions that you would normally expect a twenty-five-year-old actor to have an opinion on. Like mm-hmm. nobody was asking um, the guy who played Nidge these questions, yeah. and, you know, and it's a hard cross to bear. And I think it's, he did probably put his foot in his mouth on a couple of points, but there was probably. Um, it was a shame to see some people maybe enjoy that too much. Yeah, it's hard to be in that position because sometimes you feel like you're almost a walking poster board in a way. You mm-hmm. know? People just single you out for that one thing that yeah. you're known for. And then that becomes all of you. But that's just a single story. Like mm-hmm. Chimamanda Ugosia said before, you know, it's not just about the single story. There's yeah. more to the story. And that kind of takes it right back to the fact that, say, with, with a novel like Things Fall Apart, it's not just about Africa. Obviously, it is, it's about Nigeria and it's about Igbo people. And the, but sometimes the more local that you get, the more international you get, because you, yeah. you get down to kind of things that are even more profoundly relatable. Yeah, exactly. So before we wrap up, I'll we go through some of the actual, the, is it Igbo or Ibo? Igbo. Igbo. So we go through some of the Igbo vocabulary and how it's translated into Irish, uh, just to give people a flavour of it. So Afo is Kandana Kahra La Margi Agadi Nwai Shanvan. Shanvan being an old lady and that's uh, what's that name? Agadi Nwai. Agadi Nwai. Excellent. Agbala Ban Tukter A R R Gan Gradum Freshen. So that's the oracle I from what I remember. Agbala mm. is the oracle. And Oji Odu Achu. GGO, Bo, Denkenal Arogin Quiloga, Lena Herbal. 
that's very interesting. So what's he, is he doing with his tail? <laughs> <laughs> I was just repeat that Igbo again. That's a good one. O G O do achu gigo. So bo denkenal arogin quilloga lena herible. So a cow that kind of wiggles around its tail. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll finish with one more. And ozu kian dena gradum avronter er ar. So one of the gifts that they give to a man like Brunsmas. yeah hmm. yeah so one of the presents they give to a man excellent oh thanks so much for coming in today thank you so much Derek it was great to be back will you join us again soon <laughs> yeah of course fantastic excellent so until the next time it is a slam for me and a slam for me see you then Thank you for listening to us. Mother Folklore comes out every Friday on Headstuff Podcast Network. Headstuff have a number of other fine shows, including Pints of Malt. We're just going to flip right over now to a clip from all the gang over at Pints of Malt, where the lads give their thoughts on the Shebe translation. Yeah, that's dope. Like a Nigerian book being translated to Irish. That's yeah, that's, right. like, that's, that's Pints of Malt, Like man. a Nigerian, Nigerian story. That's Nigerian dope, man. Story, that's, that's, yeah. You say that's Pints it of Malt. It basically is. That's like what we do. Nigerians talk about Irish. It is, it is. Actually, <laughs> well, you, you, you heard a spin some Irish earlier. What's that other one? What's that other one? What's the one? That book lead off. What's that other one? I was ahead of my time. Thank you. Their episode's out today and it touches on Irish from foundation to higher level. Thanks to Brian and Kirsten. If you want to contact us, email motherfolklore at headstuff.org. This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Then there is that glossary at the back when you say that. Um, for... oh, I just happened to pick the one that didn't have the word of the glossary at the back. <laughs> Typical Derek.